On today's episode of the podcast, we hear from Paul Cosera. Paul, you know from his days at TRT, maybe out running the Freedoms Run races, and uh, recently he started a program called Wild Strength and Conditioning and a program called The Wild Method. He breaks down why it's important to move in a natural and healthy way, as well as why getting in touch with nature is important. Let's hear what Paul has to say. Have you heard of Bracken's painting? I started Bracken's painting back in 2011. We do both residential and commercial painting. We have contractors licenses in West Virginia and Virginia, and we carry all the necessary insurances, like workers' comp, general liability. Uh, we operate a small staff that focuses on meeting the homeowner's needs and project manager's timeline expectations. Uh, we, pri- we try to have exceptional attention to detail. If you're interested in doing any sort of commercial or residential painting, please contact Bracken's Painting. More information can be found at www.brackenspainting.com. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Nott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown, and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ransom and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com. Have you heard of the Try This West Virginia conference? If you're somebody who is working to build a healthier West Virginia, then you should join the over 500 like-minded people this year at the 7th Annual Conference. Uh, It's in Buckhannon, West Virginia. This year it's on June 12th and June 13th. Go there to learn about grassroots efforts that are taking place from all around the state, from community gardens to yoga in schools, running and biking programs, and even maybe building a community recreation center. Once you've networked around the conference, There's also opportunities to learn how to apply for grant funding for a project in your own community. Enjoy two days of healthy food, physical activity, and mindful living. Register before March 15th for early bird rates at trythiswv.com slash conference. Okay, Paul, thank you for being on the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Thank you, bro. It's a pleasure to be here, Kevin. Uh, you're, you got me out in about 40-degree weather, so... I know. You know what? <laughs> I forgot to mention. Welcome to the COVID-19 studios. We are sitting about seven feet apart, practicing social distancing. It's a very light breeze, but it is definitely chilly in the shade. So, we are going to talk all about Paul and the cool fitness things he's doing. So, let's start with your background. Tell me about where you come from, where you went to school, family, that sort of stuff. Yes. So I was born Fairfax, Virginia, but raised here in Jefferson County, wild and wonderful West Virginia, right. and uh, wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, when my parents first moved here in 1988, obviously it was uh, not nearly as developed as it is, and 
uh, the community that they moved to Eastland on Old Cave Road uh, was mostly an apple orchard at that time. So it was a great place to be a kid. I had two brothers, have two brothers and two sisters, and we were homeschooled growing up. So that's kind of where um, my introduction to healthy living got started was as a family unit. My my mom would kick us out as soon as uh, school was done, which obviously we were trying to get done as soon as possible. And on a good day, that's noon. Nice. And then from noon till about 6 p.m., uh, we were outside just playing, uh, getting dirty, ruining clothes, and just trying to continue that now. Right. So um, college? College. Uh, hopped around a little bit. Um, after graduating Jefferson High School, uh, I went to WVU. Started getting into the, the business college there, but realized it just wasn't what I was looking for. So um, left my junior year. Uh, after my first semester as a junior, I left and looked at other uh, industries, got into car mechanics for a little bit, um, was customer service rep for a little bit, ultimately uh, fell back on my, uh, my fitness and my athletic abilities and decided to put that to the test in the military. Um, so I, I left college for a little bit got into the U.S. Air Force. After getting out of the U.S. Air Force, um, I, that's when I decided to go to Shepherd University. And I definitely yeah. did not know you were in the Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many years in the Air Force? So um, that's a story in itself. That is a story where uh, really my, my whole holistic journey got started in, in the health and wellness space. I uh, trained for 10 and a half months pre-enlistment to qualify for the Air Force's combat control job. Um, once I qualified for it, I then went to boot camp. And uh, from the time of boot camp to separation, I was in for a year. Um, in the combat control pipeline, I was active for about seven and a half months uh, before I had two uh, Chiari malformation episodes and Chiari malformation is a, uh, a spatial deformation in the back of your uh, skull okay and in uh, the base of the brain so essentially I was born with um, too little space between the base of the brain and the spinal tissue oh wow and so I'm at risk for those two tissues to touch we don't want things touching the base of the brain Okay. Um, people that are born with Chiari malformation uh, on varying severities may need surgical intervention from birth to go in there and shave out some of that spinal tissue. Well, uh, the, the base of the brain, that's the mammalian brain, talking about like basic, yeah. all the basic functions, that's right? Where a lot of the functions start, you know, in development. So those episodes for me um, were triggered in retrospect. Um, yeah, I'm searching for the why. Why did this happen to me? Like, well, hold on. So, so for your whole life, you didn't know. Didn't know. I was. Then, I went in at 25. You know, the fittest I'd ever been. Right. And then, through training, maybe like explosions or whatever, you were working around something jostled you, I guess. Or no. So I I was not deployed. I was I was just in the combat control pipeline. Right. The training pipeline for combat control um, 
averages about 18 months. It's a long pipeline. Yeah. Um, and if you're not set back due to any medical yeah, reason, injuries, yeah, sure. You know, you might get through in, in 12 months, but even so, um, the average was about 18 months at the time that I was in. So it, uh, it, it's a, it's a marathon of a pipeline. And I remember my fellow airmen and in, in the cadre, you know, they would all say, you know, the, the fastest way out of the pipeline is when you see a doctor, because yeah. if you get set back, you know, the chances of you making right it through that pipeline, you know, are severely diminished. And, so, and, and that's a, that's a special operations unit, correct? Yes. So there at any given time, only about 350 to 400 combat control operators globally. Okay. So it's a small brotherhood. Nice. And, um, the other special forces in the air force are, uh, the EOD squad that, um, the air force has, right. uh, pair rescue. Right. That's the one that comes to mind initially. That's the one that is more widely known as the special forces unit for the U S air force. And then they have their SEER unit. They're not actively deployed. Um, SEER unit are your survival trainers. Right. So anyone that goes on a plane in the military needs to go through SEER training. Right. So they know how to survive and escape and recover and evade. If a plane was to go down or they needed to deploy because of a plane was going down and, you know, they need to survive, get away from being captured and, okay. and, all, and all that. Yeah. So you, you were still in the training pipeline <clears throat> and then you had um, some sort of episode. And yeah. that's just like. So it, it, it really de debilitated me on the spot. I thought. Uh, at in the first episode that I either uh, ruptured uh, muscle in the back of my neck or slipped uh, vertebrae in, in the cervical spine. It was that intense wow. of a, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, an experience. Right. You know, so vision gone for a split second, um, debilitating uh, nausea. You know, the best, the most comfortable position for me was laying down on the ground. Wow. Right? Um, so they turned their head to the first episode, you know, because the fastest way out of the pipeline is right, to yeah. go to the doctor. So they turned their head to the first episode. Um, second episode sent me to the ER, Cascan MRI. And then boom. Yep. And then I was... That changed your yeah. course for sure. So after the Air Force... That's when you end up at Shepherd, Shepherd University. Well, or I no. did take before going to Shepherd. I did take a job at the uh, wonderful casino. Okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, what am I going to do with my military experience? Well, this security job at the casino would probably probably look at that uh, military experience and uh, and want me, and they did. Mm -hmm. So I went in as a uh, security security guard for the casino but soon realized you were more just a, a door check you know checking ids at the door and yeah it wasn't not, really security right exactly <laughs> yeah. so doorman yeah i was a glorified doorman so that was pretty short-lived uh, after a couple months of that i really decided i needed to get back to school and, and focus on my education how old were you at this point so mid-20s okay yep um, enrolled in Shepherd at, in 2010, and uh, right around that time was when Dr. Mark was launching Two Rivers Treads. 
I decided to to really figure out what the heck was going on with my anatomy and my wellness. So, so I decided, yeah. So yeah. with the episodes you had, you were like, oh, let's let's figure out the body or whatever, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so what did you decide to study at Shepherd? Exercise science in their right yeah, health and recreation and leisure program. And before we get to that, did you play any sports in high school, or did you? Like I did, I did. What, what was? I, I loved loved sports growing up. Um, it was actually what got me into the public school system. Um, after being homeschooled up right. until seventh grade, um, in order to continue playing sports, you know, I was too old for county sports at that time, so I needed to enroll in the public school system to continue sports. And my sports were baseball, football, and wrestling. Oh, cool! Wow, dude. So with that injury. You're in wrestling, you're in football. Right, and never triggered it. Wow. Yeah, so... You're lucky, man. <laughs> I mean, and to be at a facility that could diagnose you the way the Air Force could... They took That's a real blessing. Very yeah. good blessing there. But, you, man, you probably had a lot of missed, missed calls. I mean, or just close calls, rather. I can't... Looking back, I remember, you know, some hard hits in football. Sure. But, you know, I chalked that up to being concussed. Mm -hmm. But I can certainly see where, you know, having that deformation put me, you know, at more risk to a concussion <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> really wow. being more painful and uh, a detriment to my and, health. And, and that journey through the special operations training in the military, you were really pushing it. And anyways, and, and I mean, but... Anyway, that brings us forward to you figuring out how <clears throat> the body works through studying exercise science right. and then pairing up with Two Rivers Treads and Dr. Yeah. Mark. And that's where that's where it all started from the ground up, baby. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's funny. I uh, in the last month of training saw my cadre, one of my cadre wearing Vibram five fingers. Sure. And it's the first time, you know, this is. 2008, so that had really just hit right. the market shortly before that. First time I'd ever seen him. And me and the other airmen in the pipeline, you know, we'd always talk about, you know, getting our beret, graduating, and, you know, going through the armory and just, you know, with a shopping cart right, and yeah. putting the guns and the gear and stacking it all up. So I'm seeing our cadre where these separated toe shoes i'm like what is that right <laughs> is that some spec op special yeah, right. footwear that we get you know upon graduation because if it is i'm in right um didn't see it after that didn't see it uh mainstream or in the public uh while i was working that security guard <laughs> right um i was walking down uh shepherdstown Shepherd Sounds Main Street, and sure enough, I'm walking by Dr. Mark's store. I didn't know Dr. Mark at this time, didn't know Two Rivers Treads. I just looked in the window, and I saw Vibram Five Fingers. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not some spec ops geared shoe. It's like right here like, in the town you live in. It's for everybody. So that's what actually got me to go in Two Rivers Treads for the first time was seeing the, the freaky toe shoes. Nice. And then try them on. Pick up a slick part-time job. Yeah, um, hit it off with Dr. Mark um, and one of his first associates, Cody Marsh. Really super cool dude. Um, he was younger than me, but just welcomed me to the town, welcomed me to the shop, 
gave me a little dive on minimal footwear. <laughs> At that time, they had like three Newtons, two Innovates, and five fingers. <laughs> that was it, right? So that was the beginning. Yeah, so it couldn't have it couldn't have been a better fit for me. Um, I couldn't have asked for a, a better. Uh, community to step into at that time I didn't know what I was stepping into with Dr. Mark but he was just figuring out his journey you know because shortly before opening Two Rivers Treads you know he was told don't run because your feet your feet are all jacked up you know from you tried surgery right and you even with a corrective surgery you know you're still hurting right you know, so just avoid it. And I was kind of given the same prescription by the Air Force doctors. You know, they took great care of me, but they didn't understand the ins and outs of it. I was the first case of Chiari malformation in the combat control pipeline. Right. You know, so I understand a lot of liability. So it's just easier to separate me and tell me, just avoid the stuff that hurts you. Yeah, you know? right. And that's you know, and that's a how a lot of uh, uh, prescriptions are. Yeah. So Dr. Mark challenged that. He was the first person that said, well, maybe there's another way, you know, and who knows? Maybe if you start from the ground up. See, he knowing Dr. Mark, it seems like he's been doing it for 50 years. Right. He seems like, <laughs> like I had no idea that was getting started back Freaking in Yoda. 2010, somewhere in that range. But um, like in my mind, he's always had a running store. He's always, always been pushing this uh, healthy movement, healthy running mantra. And and it's amazing that he was such a good runner doing it unhealthy, and now he's super healthy. This man, he's an amazing guy. And I, I find many of us in in the Two Rivers Treads community have found it because we came in broken. Okay. And Dr. Mark was broken, and that's what got him started. I was broken. And that's what got me started. I think that's common. So um, whether it was TRT or the Freedoms Run Race Series, tell me a story or two about um, what you some of the highlights of working with Dr. Mark or with that oh my foundation. Oh, just a, a wealth of knowledge to learn from. So I was going to school and then going to work and applying the concepts from the textbooks and then from the the knowledge he was giving me the books he was putting in front of me right and i i'd get to uh meet you know doctors that were in his network like uh, dr maffetone um blaze dubois from like, canada these are big names big names and you know they and uh i didn't know how big at the time but you know they're they're thought leaders, they're industry leaders, and he's bringing them in, and and so I'm getting this rich, robust educational experience, and that's what naturally started occurring on the on the sales floor of Two Rivers Treads. We we just started educating. Like I was just so full of knowledge, I just wanted to share it with people. Like you know, you're in a shoe store, but we're telling you to take your shoes off. But also buy some shoes, and here's why. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I know. Uh, yeah, so it's a huge paradigm shift for me, um, on many levels. I mean, how many retail stores want 
an average talk time with every person that walks in to be 45 <clears throat> minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not many. Right. So, but it, it worked because Dr. Mark was providing that space for really us to, to just develop ourselves through education and experience. Um, so you know, some of the highlights are, are people walking out with $700 worth of shoes in, you know, they've got the biggest smile on their face because they're, they're walking out with an investment in their health and in an understanding of moving forward. They're not just walking out with the latest and greatest flashy shoe. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I, it was really just knowing people were leaving that place equipped and enriched with an experience um, that they had with myself or another um, sales specialist on the floor. Oh, yeah. It's true. The uh, the staff over there is always so well-educated and so well-in-tune with the message that the, the store and Dr. Mark's culture is trying to spread. It's awesome. Speaking of, like, when Dr. Mark, like, here he is hanging out with you, or all of a sudden he's talking to me. Um, I was at the Try This conference with him a couple years ago, and he's... I, he was like, hey, after dinner, let's go out and talk on the uh, the Frisbee field. Everybody's throwing Frisbees. It's one of those conferences that there's a lot of things going on in the evening. And I said, sure. So I walk out of the dining facility, and Dr. Mark's on a phone call, and he kind of looks at me and goes, I'll be over there in about 10 minutes. And I said, okay, cool. So <laughs> so I walk over, and you know, there's a cooler of beers by some guys throwing Frisbee, and we're hanging out and having a beer. And he comes over. He's like, all right, cool, let's talk about, I can't remember what the topic was at the time. It was something to do with bros and bras or fitness or things out of the shop or whatever, right? He's like, oh, sorry about that. That ran a little longer. I was on a conference call <laughs> with uh, Ian Adamson and I are discussing with the uh, International Olympic Committee about blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, man. I said, Ian Adamson? The greatest you, adventure I, athlete of all time? Yeah, are you talking about like, the? isn't he like an old adventure racer, an ultra running like world champion? He's like, oh, yeah, you know Ian? I said, no, man. No, I don't know him, but I've read about him in magazines back before the internet was kind of big. Right, and then right, um, like, right. he was like a role model, and I watched all of his videos to see <laughs> what did he carry? How did he canoe? How did he rock climb whatever? I said, he was a role model. He's like, Oh, you know, he comes to town like twice a year, so I'll make sure we get together for lunch. And I'm like, what, what bro? <laughs> no, Dr. Mark, like, and now we're going to talk about a Thursday, a Thursday <laughs> afternoon running group? Like, come on, man. Like, so it's amazing. He just pulls it out of his back pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's, he's and it, for him, it's just everyday occurrence. And yep. at, at the same conference, we were both presenting there. I, I swear, like, the deans of medicine were climbing over chairs to get to him and, like, were literally walking on top of me to help. Dr. Mark just wanted to catch up. And I was like, man, this guy, I'm sitting next to this he, guy. He's a like badass. A rock star, yeah. But, but you know, and he always takes the time to make sure he introduces everybody around him to some of these higher-ups. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's. I try to explain to people what an incredible resource it is for our running club to have a world renowned running doctor like in our pocket. And like we, I was, I was talking to somebody about how we go to um, these clinics and he's like, wait, 
you have clinics like every week? I said, yeah, pretty much like every week, every 10 days or something happening. They're like, my God, we got to pay for those. Like when he comes to town, we got to pay. <laughs> and there's like a wait list to get in. I said, oh, yeah, we have them on Thursdays. Yeah, we, had, we had some people coming from California just to come to Rivers Treads when I was working there. Were you involved with that like master's class that he has once or twice a year? You, you had to have been involved uh, expound with that. on that. There's a class where they meet over at the hospital under the gazebo. And then they go other places. Oh, it's healthy like, running. Is yeah, that what yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I was. That's that's one for adults, like for like even doctors and things, yeah, right? Yeah, it was healthy running, still still going on. Uh -huh. um, hope it never ends because it's a great resource. Um, but that's where he was bringing in. Uh, actually, let me rewind. He started that with Ian Adamson. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Started that with Ian Adamson. Um, got Jay Deshari, who's another world-renowned uh, professional. He's in PT, uh -huh. physical therapy, biomechanics, uh, best in the business. And then he ultimately brought on Dr. Phil Maffetone, too. So think about that lineup. Huge. Dr. Mark, Ian Adamson, Phil Maffetone, and then you've got uh, Jay Dashari. So it's incredible lineup of professionals. So yeah, me coming in there, I was definitely the dumbest guy in the room, but I felt so <laughs> special because right. I was up there with, you know, <clears throat> with them and being introduced at that time. I was also, you know, working with uh true form runner and that was kind of my segment was introducing the true form, um, to all the participants going over the benefits of why a motorless curb treadmill is beneficial. And also, um, I had my hand in creating the best practices on that type of equipment. So that's, yeah, it was a special, special event to be a, so, to be a part of. But so that class though is, um, like two or three days, right? Healthy running. Yeah. Two days. He's done some in Dubai, but that for like three days. Yeah. So that, that class though, it, teaches you is it heavy on the science side of the mechanics or is it all about just function or there's hands-on there's powerpoint presentations mm -hmm. um yeah breakout sessions with uh you know he's he's had laura bergman mm -hmm. be a part of it so you know laura will do some of her specialty stuff so if if he brings on other uh, movement uh, specialists or professionals, yeah, they do kind of get their uh, time <clears throat> with small groups. Everyone kind of breaks up into a little group, and you, know, you rotate through everybody's nice uh, uh, segment. So let's jump over to the True Form. How did you get involved with them? So I got involved with True Form through Dr. Mark. Oh, imagine that! Right. <laughs> and, and what level of like how? Um... How involved did you get with that company? Yeah, so they um, they rolled up to two, two Rivers Treads because they found out that Dr. Mark was kind of the man they needed to bring the True Form 2 to get validated. Uh, it didn't have a name at that point. It wasn't a True Form runner. It was just a, a curved and non-motorized prototype treadmill Wow. Uh, that Jeff and Robin Vernon uh, put in the back of their truck and and dropped it off in front of Dr. Mark and said, Hey, do we have what we think we have, which is a tool that will help teach people the skill of running, not just 
in, you know, uh, allow them to uh, increase their mileage. You know, so when I think of treadmill running, you know, I think of <clears throat> clicking a speed or being on it for a certain amount of time uh, at a certain pace. You know, it was all quantitatively based. And you're just hopping, right? Just hopping. But and, yeah. you get on the true form at that point in this prototype, and it was immediately, oh, the quality of my movement absolutely matters on this thing. And so Dr. Mark said, yeah, yeah, you do have what you think you have. This can help teach people um, the skill of running. And I wouldn't say teach now that I know what I know. I would say kind of what, going back to what you and I were talking pre-show is these these movements, these motions are, they're in our DNA. The right. code is there. So it's not teaching you the skill of running. It's just... It's reminding It's you. reminding you. It's it's a program that just needs well, to be describe how, to for service. anybody who doesn't know about the true form. Describe um, what it forces you to do. Or and again, when he said that's a there's no motor, it, and it has a kind of a kidney bean looking curve to it, which is really strange. Also, so when you step on it, the belt will move, and then you you're naturally your next step, and then your next step. But if you don't have proper running form or technique, you feel really wonky. And after a certain amount of time, your body will adjust, and all of a sudden you are running correctly. It has to do with how long your body can run correctly now to determine your level of running, uh, efficient running fitness, I guess, is how my simple explanation would be. Yeah. No, that's, that's <clears throat> great. It's a self-propelled treadmill. So you have to create all the energy to mill the belt. Now, because of the curve, which mechanically is there to assist the the flow of the belt we found a byproduct the adaptation a human needs to make to that slight curve is shortening up their stride landing a little closer to their center of mass and on the flip side of that if your stride got too far out in front of you and which would be categorized or described as an overstride, you would immediately feel the difference between the two. And that's where the teaching moment occurs, is you feel the difference. You feel the difference between a step that was a little too far out in front of you and a step that was in the perfect sweet spot slightly in front of your center of mass. And it's, that's how we learn movement. We learn by feel. Was this by accident, or did the developers really put a lot of effort into? Good question. Into... Good question. It's probably a question we'll never know. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I know the question, uh, the answer they'll probably give. Yes, absolutely. Of course. Yes. <laughs> this this degree of curve was engineered from the get go. Perfect. To, right. Yeah. To make it the best. Now that is what separates self-propelled tre treadmills that have a curve, is the degree of the curve, huh. and we found with the true form in comparison to other self-propelled treadmills with a curve that true form actually had the one that more uh, populations could control so i could have the elderly on it i could have toddlers on it right i could have pro athletes on it i could have the recreational athlete on it in everywhere in between and that was really, to me, what separated us. 
whether it was by accident or on purpose, mm. our curve allowed more people to to learn from it. Whereas a, a more a higher degree of curve, right, really limited to only very competent athletes to be on it. I see that you have you had to be strong, you had to be coordinated, you had to be balanced in order to to mill that belt and not fall on your face. <laughs> right. So, knowing all that, uh, what did you do for True Form? If I remember correctly, you, you did quite a bit of traveling. I remember seeing social media; you'd be in one town or another town and cruising around with these things. <clears throat> what I did for True Form, I wore a lot of hats because mm -hmm. they were a startup. So we were all wearing a lot of hats. Um, the main hat that I wore, though, was uh, directing their education and their and their training based on that education. So it was my job to educate the public on why is this uh, a better thing than a motorized treadmill or other self-propelled treadmills. So it was my job to compare and contrast, consider human anatomy and human movement uh, amongst all these different uh, pieces of equipment mm -hmm. and develop our answer. What separates us from what else is out there? And uh, then getting that message, not only to the public, but more importantly, uh, uh, people that are interested in buying our equipment to train others. So very often I was traveling to gyms and CrossFit boxes and PT studios. I feel like studios. I saw them show up more in CrossFit boxes. Yep. And then eventually, I think, wasn't true form at one of the games? Yeah. So in, I think it was 2015, 2016, they got the true forms at the regional games. Global platform for them. Uh, amazing. Right. You know, going, taking it to CrossFit, again, my job was to help educate Dave Castro and Greg Glassman, alongside of you know Jeff and Robin, we were all there to, to you know, help them see what we already knew. And you know some 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 communities or parts of the fitness industry don't want new stuff, right? Because it comes along with the responsibility of educating people about that new thing. Right. And sometimes you know, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> I'd say sure. most of the time it's a lot of work. And um, what was cool about the CrossFit community was they were very open to it, you know, because they were teaching the skill component to everything else they were doing. So we were just bringing them a tool to help them, you know, teach people the skill of running. And I feel like notoriously CrossFit does not like running. No. Oh. I feel like they, they absolutely hate running. And I'm still looking for that CrossFitter that likes to run. Right. I think I think she's inside. Um, Jenny. Yeah. She, I mean, she did a, quite a bit of CrossFit, and then she was running at the same time, and it really was part of the her strength training that she did there. Um, really has made her a successful runner, that foundation. Um, with that, we are going to take a quick break, and when we right come back, right. we are going to talk about the new things that uh, Paul, or Paul is getting into. New and improved. Be right back. Yeah. One of my friends from the Leadership West Virginia program, Rob Passmore, is this year's race director for the Poco River 15K. 
The Poco River 15K is West Virginia's oldest road race, and this year it is held on May 2nd. Poca is just a few miles north of Charleston, West Virginia. This year's course is the same as the older course uh, because the new bridge has been built and they can run across the bridge and complete the loop. If you want to learn more about this 15K, which comes out to 9.3 miles, you can look it up, Poca, P-O-C-A, River Run on Facebook.com or Poca River Run on RunSignUp.com. And we're back. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, Paul. So, kind of went over all the background, working with Dr. Mark, experience with True Form Runners, or the True Form Runner. Um, tell me about the uh, running camps you helped to develop, and where, where are those taking place? Yeah, so the running camps that I helped develop was when I was uh, working as a community outreach coordinator for AmeriCorps. And guess who got that opportunity in place for me? Can you guess? Dr. Mark. Dr. Mark. Nice. Bum, bum. <laughs> so, so Dr. Mark, I, I needed to take a break from True Form. Um, I fell in love with a girl, and I also just had some personal <clears throat> things in my life that I needed to take care of. So I decided to stop all the travel, uh, step down from working with True Form. Dr. Mark said, hey. Uh, have you ever heard of AmeriCorps? Uh, they have a VISTA program, so you work at the community level as a outreach coordinator, and you do cool stuff. Do you want to be a part of it? Sure, let's do it. So um, I step into that role, and one of the projects that I worked on was developing a running camp. Dr. Mark has always wanted a youth running camp of some sort in the county, and so uh, I paired partnered up with uh, Katie, um, who is the Freedoms Run director, race director, and of course she's just knows knows how to put on a, an amazing event, so I was very fortunate to work with her, and we... We podcasted her about uh, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, her and Sarah Sweet. about their, their whole race series. It's really good. Did you hear it? All right. Can't wait. So they... Uh, so Katie and I... Um, put together an affordable but high-quality uh, youth running camp for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it took place in Shepherdstown. We had them running all over town. Uh, we had them at James Rumsey was kind of the epicenter. Funny story is we didn't, there's no bathrooms at James Rumsey Park. So Dr. Mark, just, you know, one of his credos or mottos is, you know, it's Sometimes easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Right. <laughs> and so we don't have the permits for porta potties, but we have porta potties. So we just kind of tucked them in to a little nook behind some that. trees. <laughs> right. So we, we end up putting together this awesome youth running camp experience. How many days of the camp? We did three days. Okay. Uh, how and many participants? We had, I believe, over 50 in each. Nice. Yeah. Um, safe estimates there. They are still continuing. So that was in 2017. They have continued each year uh, since. And now there's an adult camp option. Yeah, I heard about that too. That's yeah. awesome. So it's cool to see that it's still uh, one going on and, and growing. Uh, I hope that I can... Uh, be a part of the adult camp. Um, 
as a strength and conditioning spe- specialist. Yeah. Nice. So what kind of uh, youth would uh, come to a running camp like this? So a lot and of... And then at the same time, I don't remember going to running camp when I was younger. No. They may not have existed. But I, I, how, how much running can you do at camp? Exactly. So the, our camp was all about supporting running with health and, and uh, fitness. So we, we had Patrick Four there teaching yoga. Uh, we had another yoga instructor from Jala Yoga there teaching them um, kind of the, the restorative properties that yoga can offer your, your health. Uh, we had Laura Bergman there teaching them all about their fascia and mobility and stability, properly using a foam roller, what is a foam roller, all of that. So equipping him with that those recovery methods. Um, and then I was there. We wheeled true form runners out to Rumsey Park. So we had the handrails off. It was just the bases. Wow. So we have some awesome videos of these kids just going from a walk you know, to a jog, to all-out sprints on the basis of true forms. That's really neat. And um, then being outdoors, you know, being barefoot. So it was really this holistic, comprehensive running camp. Because to your point, every running camp that I've seen um, has been like a the Nike running camp or the Adidas running camp. And yeah, you just show up at the track and you run. Right. And you might do some warm-up drills, maybe some strength and conditioning stuff. Stretching. Yep. But right. more or less. It's like going to a track yep. workout. Yep. It's a track workout. So we wanted to bring nature in. We uh, brought nutrition in. I saw a picture of you guys running across the river. Yeah. They did a river crossing. So, you know, ch- that that challenge aspect of overcoming an obstacle you know, literally, right. also, you know, hopefully retrospect, these kids walk away from it and say, oh my gosh, look what we did today. Like, yeah. I never thought I'd cross the Shenan, you know, the Potomac River, but I did. And, you know, maybe be more confident because of that. So, yeah, they'll, they'll hold on to that for a very long time in their memory. So let's, um, with the success of those, that programming in those camps, let's talk about that part the natural movement and why that's important for, cause that's something that I've always seen you working on. And frankly, every time I've seen you in particular at TRT, you were always mobilizing or stretching or correct towing. <laughs> and you've got, you've got like the perfect example of monkey feet. Yeah, um, buddy. He has, he has his, his feet look like a monkey's foot, and I. <laughs> most people don't have that. And I, I only have a small portion of separated toes. I'm lucky because I also practice Kevin, a lot of things. Kevin, do you have all your toes? I have all my toes. Okay, good. Yes, they, one, <laughs> one or two are frozen right now. Um, but the, uh, the correct toes is a thing that separates your toes and makes your feet splay out a little bit more. And, and I find, and again, you can correct me because I could be totally wrong on this, I find the more natural movement I do in particular with running or lifting by wearing minimalist shoes or shoes that support the barefoot kind of concepts of movement. Just like if I'm working my biceps or my chest or my back or uh, some other muscles lifting weights, my feet grew and they splayed out. And I went from a nine and a half to an 11 and a half shoe in the course of a year and a half. 
you know? Very common. Right. And that's, no one's ever thinking about that. They think when you're grown up, okay, yeah, forever, I'm going to be a nine and a half size 10, somewhere in that range. For guys, it's not that bad. Like Mm -hmm. we can, all right, my foot got bigger. There's some, some positive connotations that are attached to that. Right. However, women, not so much. Yeah. You never want to tell a woman that her foot could potentially grow not grow or increase in size right by one or two sizes that's not what they want to hear so no definitely not and (laughs) so when you're trying to sell it yeah keep that uh information to yourself totally right well (laughs) but the thing is it's kind of um obvious without thinking of it but if you work your feet out and your feet are moving naturally and you're engaging with the muscles in your feet as best you can your feet will gain muscle and yeah. flexibility to some extent. So walk me through why one is better than the other. Well, let's let's build off of that point that you're bringing up with the feet. Uh, to me, it sounds like you're saying the foot is almost forgotten about in regards to its ability, you know, to have muscle mass. Sure, right. Right? Because you're thinking... You're thinking especially as a, a male of your upper body, right? Yep. Or you know, your thighs. Um, but we're not thinking about the size of our feet. Right. So what I see day in and day out working with people, whether it's pro athletes or the gen pop, is sometimes very well-conditioned people from the ankles up. They look, you know, very equipped and competent. Def- defined and powerful, but they take their shoes off and I look like I'm looking at two wrinkled sausages, you know, just these atrophied pieces of body. And, you know, you, it, it's the same thing when somebody skips leg day for their whole life and they have this incredible upper body, but <clears throat> they've got toothpicks for legs. Right. Well, the, the feet are no different, right? It's attached to our body. So... In our culture, the, the the foot and the feet are forgotten. And that's really how I like to look at movement as a whole, right? Because if, we, if we've eliminated the foundation of our body, what, what, have, what are the repercussions of that holistically as it pertains to movement? How much has our has normal been changed because we've forgotten about our feet. So when the feet are one of the strongest parts of the body now, how does that change movement as a whole? And for me, what I've found, because when you're first starting to restore the function of your feet and build that strength and power that you you didn't have before, it's pretty slow going. You can only run so much barefoot before... You have to stop <laughs> and walk. Right. And, and when, you have had that when, v, when Vibrams first came out, there was all this blowback that people were doing too many miles too fast in those oh, barefoot yeah. shoes. And you're Tough not you're not ready for it. No. They weren't ready for it. So guess what? I had to stop just like everybody does. And I I was barefoot. So I was feeling that that connection. And there isn't a connection uh, to the ground when yes. you're barefoot. You're the negative component yeah correct we'll have to look but either the ground is negative or we're negative or the ground's positive or we're negative i don't know right but that positive and negative connection 
between our body and the earth, you have that direct feed. And for me, when I was taking those breaks from running, I was either just getting down on the ground and moving around, just kind of free-flowing, going into yoga poses or right. uh, gymnastic gymnastic style movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know, screw this. It's not all about staying on the ground. I, I want to go up. So I started climbing trees on my runs. And it felt great because it was bringing me back to my childhood where I was doing exactly that, running around barefoot, ruining pairs of jeans, stopping when I couldn't run anymore, climbing trees, tumbling and wrestling with my brothers and sisters. And so, again, all the movements in there, I just... The coding. I was restoring it. uh, Let's go back to something real quick. So we kind of... You kind of explained it, but we glazed. I mean, this is called the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. So I want to break it down. What you're talking about working on the foundation of of our body, which would be our feet. The kind of training that it takes to inevitably be a barefoot runner. And I'm proud to say I can probably do two miles of nice, slow, barefoot, skin to pavement. I'll be okay. I got two miles in me and I feel pretty good with that. Right. Um. If I had it my way, that would be the prerequisite to everything. Right. And that's the thing. The amount of what I would call advanced training. Don't interrupt me because I'm going to bring this around. What I would consider advanced training, which is rolling out my feet on a lacrosse ball, doing that um, towel grabbing thing where you're actually developing the um, the movement of your feet. You're opening your it's a, your you can almost make them You're grabbing work. with your feet. Yeah, it's similar to um, hands, but not clearly as much dexterity. Um, it's, it's really advanced stuff. And then like going out and wearing particular shoes that have less of um, less drop, which is from the heel to toe drop, or less stack to put you closer to the earth. And then going out and test. Okay, you know, what? let me just try and run two hundred meters, nice and slow, barefoot, skin, and then to really to go on what was ultimately a six-year journey from wearing ASICs, which had stack and heel drop, down to being as minimal as possible most of the time. Mm -hmm. That's all like really advanced stuff, and it's not sexy lifting. It doesn't look awesome. There's not a huge ROI until there is. But what's hilarious is what all this advanced extra work is, is actually what should be the initial work before you get into advanced stuff. The order of operations. We've had it all wrong. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's, it, we, we're doing it in reverse. And who knows when that switched from cavemen to uh, cowboys having heels on their boots, you know, to, you know, everything has a reason and a function, but they weren't always meant to go th- so far. Right. Just so, because you can wear shoes during running doesn't mean you have to or you should. Right. right. Because the great thing about shoes is they let you exceed your limitations. You're right. Right. They yeah. let you exceed your limitations. So they're a tool. They're a tool. If I want to run faster than I can safely run barefoot, I'm going to put shoes on. If I'm going to run on train that is too aggressive for my bare feet, I'm going to put shoes on. But really outside of those two factors, okay, temperature too. Sure. If I'm going to be in a in an environment that's too hot or too cold for my bare feet, I'm going to put shoes on. But outside of that, 
I want running to be self-limiting. I want to always have that intuitive feedback. And, and by self-limiting, you mean you can only run as far as you can healthily run. Right. Yeah. On on your own. That's so course. not sexy, man. There's, it's not. There's no, but, there's no gratification in that. But just like any progression, right, it can grow. Right. And, you know, I can happily run a half marathon barefoot. And for me, that's a great, enjoyable far but uh quick distance yeah well I, I love i know where this conversation is headed to and uh I, i'm gonna tell another quick story but i'm really looking forward to hearing how all the things we're talking about is going to tie into what's called the wild method but yes sir i want to share this grounding i have two 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 stories about the grounding or about um how being skinned to pavement can improve things my friend jamie she has struggled um you know Jamie Haddon? Mm -hmm. She has struggled with some sort of weird, whether it's calf or knee or or foot issue that's been going on for so long. Um, I would see her on a Saturday morning run in around town, and she'd be kind of walking or just mad, mad at the world because she could not get the healthy movement. And I remember telling her, and I'm so happy she listens to me sometimes. She, I said, just take your shoes off and take your socks off and let's carry them from here to the farmer's market. We're talking about a little over a quarter mile. And let's just jog it out. And I bet within the first three to five steps, your body will auto adjust to protect itself on the impact and on your form. And then what I want to see, I want to see if your pain goes away. And if it doesn't, I get it, man. But just try this idea. And I'm no barefoot running coach. I'm not a running coach. I'm just a guy who's done a little bit of running and I've tried some methods myself. And dude, she took her shoes off and she was able to run nice and slow, self-limited. Yep. Her body protected itself and she had none of the pain she had when she was wearing shoes. <coughs> but the coaching she's receiving or wherever she's getting her guidance from doesn't really have her running in five fingers. I'm like, ah. I don't know. I don't know, but what I, I guess what my part, the part of um, building on what we're saying is that as long as you aren't gunning to run fast or far, you can develop the foundation of healthy movement and pain-free running barefoot, where your body just does it automatically, right? Yeah. Um, you have to throw away, in, in my experience, and in many of the experiences I have with my clients. You have to throw away the quantitative thinking. You just, but but you what you mean to. by that is 5Ks, 10Ks, you half gotta, marathons, you get rid and time. Of the, the, the value of time, distance, pace, all of it. I love because it, man. If you're I, I've, got, I've gotten rid of it. <laughs> I know I've gotten People think I'm just not competitive and stuff, but I'm like, no, I just don't care that hard. I'm just kind of <laughs> – I love your word. It sounds way better. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, no, it's just self-limiting. Right. Like I'm just, I'm just doing I'm what I can do and I feel good about body. it. Right. Yeah, and that is, is very trendy right now. And then, again, coming closer and closer to talking about Wild Method, uh, I do a lot of driving, whether it's running the snowplow or oh, God, up and down the, the worst, highway. Isn't it? Right? right, well, forget the fact of how it <laughs> hems up my body for the most part, but one of the best things I can do in the spring after a long drive is I'll walk around my front yard for about a half hour just barefoot. Yeah. Some on the sidewalk, yeah. some on the pavement. Some just in the grass, mm. man, my breathing changes, my uh, heart rate, my blood pressure probably goes down just based on like 
The connection? Like Wusaw, man. I don't even know yeah, what so it I is. Yeah, so I looked it up uh, while, while we've been talking, and the it's a negative energy from the Earth's surface. So we have the positive energy. It's got the negative energy. For That's that. really like Wusaw kind of stuff, but like who knows? I mean, I'm sure there's some science, oh, but, how, but, how it's, but how it's working through my feet, it's like, hey, man. Just, I, I just feel it's therapeutic. Right. We we just, in my, in, in my language, it feels good, right? Right. It just feels good. Mm -hmm. you know, who cares all the scientific stuff? Good it point. feels good, so we do it. And that is what has led to more and more experimenting of primal movement in my programs and my own conditioning and strength training that feel good aspect of being barefoot i just built upon that and kind of started stripping away the layers of dependency in other places so let's just say skin abrasion uh all together right so friction is going to cause abrasion right on the skin so if I'm doing a grounded movement, let's say tumbling on the ground, whether it's sand or dirt or grass, if I'm not mindful of my movement and I impact the ground too, with too much force, I'm going to create an abrasion on, let's say, my shoulder or my back. Right. And that's a teaching moment, right? I wasn't mindful enough about either my intensity of the movement or the tempo of the movement or the position or posture of the movement so it's the same thing that we've always been talking about with healthy running right think about your posture think about your breathing and when you when you're in your bare feet all of those senses are heightened your you know your body awareness is heightened so it's the same thing that we've been talking about for years in running just applying it to all of movement right and when you say a teaching moment or you're learning a lesson by impacting the ground too hard whether it's your heels or your shoulder or your back or your forearms even you may have just gotten skinned up even on the smallest level like with every step of running skin to pavement outdoors your body i mean your brain is calculating each lesson learned with each step and, yeah. and how you're talking and how it's like a computer that's just processing every step of input and how's my lean and are my knees going far enough forward? Are they, is my heel kicking up far enough back? But without you even thinking about it, because you're working the stresses out of the day, your, your body will use the data it collects to avoid injury moving forward. Yep. Right? Central that's nervous the, system doesn't amazing. forget anything. Right. It's like, no, man, don't, don't overstride. <laughs> Don't don't understride. Don't hey, you're barefoot. You are definitely not I mean, automatically you are not allowed to heel strike right. when you're barefoot. And it will be hard to heel strike unless you're trying to heel strike. So it's it's really cool how the body can process that stuff. So if we're talking about being barefoot, grass, dirt, rocks, climbing trees, if we're talking about natural movement, start to break down this wild method. Um, thing that you're working on. Tell us what it is. Yes. Why it's important. I'm excited about this. This is something I've been working on on the side for 
many years. Uh, you and I have had conversations about it when I was just brainstorming ideas, and you gave me some great feedback on it, and I've talked about it with other people, and I've really just started putting all of that conceptualizing you know t to the ground uh, and in in making actionable steps out of it so what I've currently been offering is uh, a primal movement experience is one way to describe it another way to describe it is a holistic health and fitness uh, opportunity what does that mean holistic Holistic, all all systems working together. Okay. All systems working together. And so, holistic would be part of the whole. W H O L E. But I I hear the word holistic and I think H O L, which yes. is. So yeah, and that's that's what I'm speaking in H O L. Okay. So all all systems of our being working together. Okay. Body, mind, soul. Okay. Right? I didn't put the mind and soul into the equation of tumbling a rock like or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we get, well, I'll go into that a little bit later, but st sticking with the movement for now, um, the way that I've, that's uh, the best way to say this, across the eight years that I've been working in the health and wellness industry, what I see more and more a need for is a deep rich experience for people to connect to because of how much stress we're accumulating in our lives these days and I'm not getting through to their holistic being through a motorized treadmill workout anymore right I'm not getting through on that deep level by sending them uh, a workout app on their phone. Because of all of the dependencies that we have created across time. Conveniences. Right? Yeah. Conveniences. And we've separated our, our, our limitations by adding things to our being. I need to strip away a lot of those dependencies. I need to seclude people away from all the distractions so they can really have this experience in health, one that they will last them weeks because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that probably similar to how you feel after a Ragnar. You know, it's a social event. Mm -hmm. It's a physical event, right? You're bringing food. It's a you know, it's fun. Accomplishment. It's a deep experience. And that experience lasts you weeks, I'm sure. Right. And you can go back to how you felt and something that you you didn't initially feel after you, you finished it, you end up thinking about three weeks later, right? And it hits you then. And that's proof that it's still living with you. Right. Right? That experience. So uh, I, I'm seeing a need, more and more of a need for a deep experience for people to restore their health more more effectively in today's age you know I'm, I'm currently working at a large luxury gym in the DC metropolitan area I'm seeing people so stressed out I can almost touch it or sense it in the air right 
uh, one of the greatest um, accomplishments that I've had so far as a personal trainer there was working with a, an executive chef. And he came in, former D2 football player at JMU, and big dude, I think defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But he he was just used to getting through stress by powering down, hunkering down, pushing through it, no pain, no gain, right? But he finally is hitting his point in his mid-30s, working a high-stress job, two young boys he he needs something more now he can't just push through it and i'd said hey if if you're open to trying something new here's what i want to do with you we're going to learn how to breathe we're going to learn how to walk right we're going to totally take the approach of just connecting with physical activity to lower your stress not to improve your bench Again, right. We wa- we wiped away all the quantitative, quantitative stuff, right? And he bought into it. He didn't smile once during that pitch. <laughs> it was like I was talking to a brick wall. I could tell the guy just wanted to fall asleep. Right. But he said yes. Eight weeks later, happiest guy in the gym. Comes in exuberant, high fiving. Nice. You know, yelling across the hall, Paul! Yeah. Right? Full of life. Like, and if I can provide, whether it's in a gym or on a farm or at a park, an experience for people to reconnect with themselves through movement, then that that's a win for me. That's what I w- want to do for the rest of my life. And so the Wild Method is kind of my first um, shot at it. As my own brand, right? As my, as my own program. Awesome. And uh, I demoed some uh, some events on my in-laws' farm. Well, hold on. Be- yeah. Before we go there, I kind of I kind of want to make sure I understand the business side of what you're doing, right? So, a Ragnar, eight to twelve people running trail all day, all night. It's logistically heavy. It's an enormous amount of work just to get there. Running a Spartan or a Tough Mudder. Even the short distance, you got to do a ton of pre-training to be able to handle those sort of advanced functional movements. But again, both of those scenarios are big. They require a lot of prep. And you do get that sense of satisfaction and accomplishment and camaraderie and community. And you get all that, that all those good feelings for days and days afterwards. What you're talking about is stripping away the quantitative working on hyper basic movements um being with yourself in my mind barefoot and you're going to explain how keep your uh, clothes on though <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> but you um you're creating a easily digestible programming that would give you the same experience as a massive i'm imagining yes. as a massive yes, event brother. So that's really cool, man. So if that's if I'm correct on that, break down what one of these things look like. Yes. Yeah. So um, the brand is called Wild Recreational Fitness Challenges. And the wild method is what you subscribe to to get through 
the recreational fitness challenge. Okay. So what that looks like is a two-hour event is kind of the, the entry level, right? And you, you come into that two-hour event, and I explain the wild method. And the wild method is, you know, this qualitative-based, self-limiting-based style of movement, um, being mindful of everything, right? All of our movements, the breathing and the, our, our tempo, our pace. The body's response right? to right? what you're doing. Connecting with the environment around us, whether, whether that's running, climbing, scooting, whatever, weightlifting. So you come in, I explain the method. We do some testing, right, just some trialing practice and then we we begin i'm imagining balance beams i'm imagining uh, <laughs> walking on logs yeah <laughs> or um, picking up rocks and moving them like those sort of tests some of those may be involved yes <laughs> okay, cool, yeah. Well, yeah i get it, I get it. It's, a, it's a secret but, but um yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining those sort of functional hey if you can't do this let's work on these moves right and this is anybody can do what i'm offering right you know, my one of my demos in in december I had uh, a 55, 56-year-old female. I had a uh, late 40s. I had a person in their young 20s. Um, I've offered some that are just females-based. Uh, I've done some that are just male-based and co-ed. So I'm really playing around with a lot of those social aspects. But getting back to the, the method, you come in, you don't know anything about this, you get kind of a crash course in it. We start doing some practicing. And then the the challenge begins. And the first challenge is, one, this is all outdoors on very hilly terrain. Uh, my in-law's farm is uh, an organic sheep farm, so it's rolling hills, pasture land, creeks, ponds. And... You know that for me, this it's like a gold, a gold mine, right. right? Because I have all these different stimuluses to expose to pe people to expose themselves to. So the first challenge is a two or is a one-hour functional or cross-country functional fitness workout. So it's a mix of functional exercises, body weight, as well as um, movements with a dumbbell, kettlebell, or a log or a rock, like sure, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, mixed with running right so do a little bit of that stuff run to point b do some more run to point c all right so across an hour you've done a bunch of running cross-country style running you've done some functional fitness all the while self-limiting and focus on the quality of the moments because i'm there by your side coaching you on that after that challenge is complete we then take what we've uh, built, which is a high core temperature, and we do cold water immersion. Because if you want to get to know yourself deeply <laughs> and be very mindful of everything you're doing, put yourself in really cold water, and you'll <laughs> you'll figure out quickly wow. that uh, you need to be as still as possible to to retain your warmth, right? Because if in the beginning stages of cold water exposure, the more you move around, the more you're you're getting rid of uh, that little th thin layer of warm water that's closest to your body. 
Right. Right. So, and then also the shock factor. A lot of people, if we're just getting into cold water exposure, first reaction they want to have to the cold water is <gasps> right. gasp. Right. But in order to override that, we need to do the exact opposite. Instead of inhaling with a gasp, we need to exhale with a growl. <sighs> okay. Right. So we we override our reflex with mindfulness and that is a powerful moment because you overcome a huge obstacle a physiological obstacle and then you have to maintain mindful breathing and physical stillness to stay in the water and our challenge is a five minute cold water immersion and it's been so fun to watch all the different reactions and see I've I've had experienced endurance athletes right. and again I've had you know people in their late fifties gen pop crushing it. Nice. And it's it's that that challenge has been really cool. And these are gonna change with the seasons. But <clears throat> you walk away from that in a small group setting, keeping it to uh anywhere from two to twelve people. Right. I want to protect the intimacy of a small group. Um, Is it better with friends or with strangers? That's a good question. Um, I've so had, I'm, think, I'm thinking of like three or four bros. I could, we could all come out there and try this. You gotta try it. Get some bros. Get some bras. Yeah. And let's get it. Get it rocking. Um, okay. I've had yeah. I've had friends show up together. Uh, but really, it's been a mix of strangers and friends. But they all leave with that camaraderie. Right. They all leave, all having accomplished it, and you know they have this experience now to, to connect to each other too. Um, some of the strangers that have completed this have remained in touch. You know, That's and I'm cool. saying a very similar experience to what you've done with Bros and Bros. You're bringing a bunch of strangers together to connect over something. Yeah. That is a really, really cool concept, and it's it's backed up by years of advanced study and exposure to very successful minds in the industry, and uh, you're the first person I would think of when it comes to experiential education or outdoor kind of life training, and uh, yeah, Paul, you're a role model. I mean... Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, you, def that. you definitely are, and... Um, when you see people who do as much, I'll call it simply mobility, that you do, and that you work with your body in a way to stay fit, um, with cardiovascular training and with strength training, you're actually doing the true, you're truly building the foundations. I mean, you can go out and run a nice fast 5K, and you can be destroyed and winded afterwards, or you can just be like, Wow. Or even a half marathon is probably more duress on the body, but you can you can you can get it done. You can get it done at an appropriate time or even a fast time. But if you don't have those foundations built, you're more prone potentially for injury. Yep. Um <clears throat> you're more prone for internal duress. Sure. You know, your internal systems. And longer recovery periods. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And then like sometimes I get grilled because I don't do enough running or I focus too much like I will do a 90 minute workout at the gym 
and an hour and five to hour and 10 of it was stretching, functional movements, never even lifted a weight. And then I only really do 20 to 30. I only lift for a short amount of time and I don't have a huge caloric burn, but my body moves so much more fluidly and I'm not dedicated just to yoga. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is what you're teaching people and what this wild method is, from what I understand, is it's it's going to take you down a path of healthy movement, but also getting in touch with yourself mm-hmm. and how it feels to be in nature, in particular with the. Um, That's it, brother. Yeah. When you know, when I look at it in a nutshell, I want people to have an experience that is brought together by nature human connection, whole food, and healthy movement. If I can bring those four things together in one experience, I I know the odds of that person having an enriching, restoring experience are are pretty high. Um, My wife and I like to joke, you know, if you use them, it's, it's hard to mess up a meal with a bunch of garlic, if you like garlic like we do. Right. So, um, to the same effect, the ingredients that I'm using, it's, it's hard to go wrong when you use outdoors, nature, exposure, time in nature, when you teach people healthy movement, when you put healthy food in front of people, and you give them an opportunity to be social. Those are all ingredients that are hard to screw up. That's awesome, man. And then this is getting started or is it, I mean, it already is started or is there an official grand opening or has it already, I mean, so I have soft launched this. You can find it at wild recreational fitness challenges. That's uh, my Facebook page. Now the wild method will be the programming that supports the events. Okay. So the wild method is something that you can work with me on virtually um, as well as in person outside of the events uh, you know to equip yourself more and more for these the wild events that will uh, occur throughout the year it's awesome man that's awesome so there's a Facebook page and um, we'll put those links in the notes and then there's also a, a website which should be launched soon yes okay cool and once that's up and running we'll put that in the notes too Yes, sir. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you through the website, through the Facebook page, uh, is there an email? Wild.rfc at gmail.com. That's easy. Um, well, cool, man. You and I could really sit and talk about healthy movement and yeah, we could talk working with that. Dr. Mark and, all, and, <laughs> and uh, how awesome the true form runner is. Got to part two. You know, I think would be a great idea. You brought it up in the beginning, and I concur, is a part two. Let's have Kevin, when he gets his video uh, gear linked up with the podcast, we do a round two of this so we can get some of that movement in into the to the podcast. Definitely. And I don't want to do another podcast until I've gone through the, the yeah. thing. That would be cool, too, so I can come back and reflect on, whoa, that was really fun. So. All right, Paul. Well, thank you for being on the Break It Down for Brackets podcast, bud. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks. Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. 
It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter, <laughs> Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.